Trademark. Thanks for tuning in again this week. We are so excited that we get to continue to bring the sermon to you every week digitally uh, across Instagram and our different platforms. But we want to continue to remind you we have big, a big announcement. We are opening up with in-person Trademark Wednesday, August 19th. August 19th, 7 p.m. right here in person at church. We're excited for it. There's more details to come, but mark your calendars because we are meeting in person very soon, August 19th. It'll be in the main sanctuary, and it's going to be an awesome time. We're excited to get these things going. Hey, we're praying for you. We know that you're starting school up again, and uh, things are starting to feel uh, maybe a little tense. Maybe you got some pressure going on as you're ready for school. Um, but man, we are excited for you. We're praying for you. Lots of cool things coming. And uh, as far as the church is concerned, we're opening things back up and we're excited for that. If you have any questions about that, you can feel free to text me or Adam or hit us up on Instagram and uh, we'd love to answer those questions. Uh, but we are going to continue. I think we have this week and one more week left in our playlist series. Um, if you got your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. And we're going to be in verses 13 through 16. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 16. Uh, so you can turn there. And the song that I'm going to be using tonight is uh, uh, titled The Cave. And it's by Mumford and Sons. Um, and, and, and let me be honest, okay? We are this far in the playlist and it is tough. It is brutal at times to try to find songs that our, our, our modern, uh, popular, secular um, artists are singing that actually have some biblical truth. Uh, I, I take that as you want, but it is tough. Uh, even just scrolling through this week, I was like, all right, what song can I use? And I was scrolling through the top 100 songs in America on Apple Music, and all of them were explicit, except for like four of them, and they, those four were all Taylor Swift. Um, so anyway, it's tough, but we found a song, The Cave by Mumford & Sons, and uh, we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Um, and this song, it, it was tough to actually find what the, the artist meant by the lyrics. Um, and there was people who have studied these song, this song and, and gone in deep on it because the lyrics are so intense. They're, they're so crazy. Um, when I jumped in to see what I could learn, I found countless articles, countless blog posts, videos, debates, everything. This song has got a lot of attention to try to figure out what does it mean? What do they mean by it? And interesting, I like to, in these sermons, try to figure out, man, what did they say the song meant? What did they say in interviews and things like that? And I couldn't find one. I, I couldn't find a place where the band itself was actually addressing what they meant by the song. Um, if you find that, if you are bored and need to do some research, go ahead and send me any of those things. I'd love uh, to, to hear that. Uh, but before we go any further, um, at, right at the beginning, we like to have you pause and listen to that song. So go ahead and do that right now. You're listening to The Cave by Mumford and Sons. The Cave by Mumford and Sons. Go ahead and pause right here and take time to listen to it and listen to the lyrics. Pause. Okay, so my favorite perspective I found um, when I was doing all my homework trying to figure out what this song meant, it, and the one that I think was one of the more common ones, is a connection to a man known as G.K. Chesterton and his writings about St. Francis. And, and this is super interesting because G.K. Chesterton is a big name in church, uh, in Christianity. He was a man of faith, and he, and he wrote about St. Francis. And, uh, and listen to this, as you've just heard the lyrics, um, listen to um, 
a summary of G.K. Chesterton's work um, when he was writing uh, about St. Francis. This is a quote. The man who went into the cave was not the man who came out again. In that sense, he was almost as different as if he was dead, if he were a ghost or a blessed spirit. And the effects of this on his attitude towards the actual world were really as extravagant as any parallel can make them. He looked at the world as differently from other men as if he had come out of the dark hole walking on his hands. Now, now quickly, did you hear that? I want to give you the chorus of the song and the last verse. And I think these two uh, parts of the song really sum up um, where, where we're going to go today and what I, I think Mumford & Sons had in mind. Here's the chorus. But I will hold on hope. I, I think this is a song of, about hope and about change. And I won't let you choke on the noose around your neck. So it's about hope. It's about change. It's about some liberation, some, some freedom here. I'll find strength in pain and I will change my ways. So that they're recognizing to have hope and to be free, we must change. And then this, this last little part in the chorus, <coughs> excuse me, I'll know my name as it's called again. And, and I, I truthfully believe he's referring to the last days when he will hear Jesus call his name. Uh, and then the last verse, and I, this really, I think, finishes off the song well. I want to read you these lyrics because maybe you missed it. He, the last verse goes like this. So come out of your cave walking on your hands. And, and I think the idea is be so changed by your experience that it's as if you're upside down. So come out of your cave walking on your hands and see the world hanging upside down. You can understand dependence when you know the maker's hand. You can understand dependence when you know the maker's hand. See the world with new eyes. That's where I think he's going with this. See the world with new eyes. Understand the de- that dependence is freeing when you are dependent upon God. Uh, when, you're, when you're trying to be like the world, you will find that it's as if you're being choked, as if you, you can't hope, as, as if there's a noose around your neck. But when you're dependent upon God, you, you actually get freedom. And so the answer for freedom isn't independence, but it's a different dependence. It's a dependence on God. And then he says this, So make your sirens call and sing all you want. I will not hear what you have to say. It's as if he's fully committed. And, and he will drown away any distractions. And then this last little bit, because I need freedom now. It's interesting, as I was thinking about it, um, he, he refers in the chorus every time, like as if there's a noose around your neck that you're being choked. But if you're walking on your hands, I think that's a good way to get a noose to fall off. <laughs> uh, I think it's a good way to get the noose to fall off. So he, he says, I need freedom now. And earlier he said, come out of your cave walking on your hands. He says, and I need to know how to live my life as it's meant to be. I, I think where we're going today is he's learning to live his life as God designed, abundant life. And I think there's some, some great biblical truths in this text, and we're just going to take a few minutes to jump into it. But first, we have to actually turn to the Word of God, actual biblical truth. So, before I start preaching, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 16. It says this, and the title in my Bible is called to be holy. It says this, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 
As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Um, God's word consistently calls us to live differently than the world around us. In many cases, we are to be so different that it may feel like, as he referenced in the song, like you're walking on your hands, that you're the complete opposite. You're, you're, you're upside down from the world around you. Being in Christ is literally the opposite of being conformed to this world. In Peter, we hear that we need to be transformed to be like Christ, not conformed by the world around us. See, God has called you and I to live radically different lives, completely different and then I would ask this question, will you hear the call? When he calls your name, will you hear that call? And so my actions, this is important because we're going to talk about um, how we see the world if, as if we see the world upside down, which in this case I think is the way God wants us to see it with his perspective and not a worldly perspective. So then we're going to have to change our actions and we must change our actions to actually change my perspective. My actions change my perspective. You can write that down if you're taking notes. My actions change my perspective. The faith that we are called to have is an active faith. It's not a passive faith. We talk about this from time to time, that our faith is to look like something. You should be able to see it. It involves, it involves a verb to it, that you're actually moving and working. You're using your hands. You're using your mouth. You're using your feet to, to glorify God, that your faith should have actions. It's, it's not wrong to say that God often calls us to put our faith to work. Faith needs to work. And, and some people think that, that if God was just, were just to completely alter their thinking, then their life would change. And so you'll even ask them to pray. Prayers like this, Lord, completely change my mind about this. Lord, do a miracle. Don't give me a taste for the, that, that, those drugs anymore. Don't give me a desire to lust anymore. And so, and, and although I think you can certainly pray like that, God doesn't necessarily call us to live like that. God instead, instead invites us into the journey. He invites us into this journey of faith to, to conquer some obstacles, to grow daily, to trust Him, to be dependent upon Him. Not to just have an eraser that erases all our temptation, but to have a God whom we lean on as we face this world around us that is full of temptations. He has us put in the work to get the results. So, so then how do we do what 1 Peter is saying as he ends there? He says, Be holy yourselves in all your behavior, since it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. How do we do that? Well, we must be holy. And, and, and he actually lays it out for us in 1 Peter. And um, we just actually spent in the Sunday morning service a whole, the whole summer going through 1 Peter. Um, so if, if this is speaking to you, Go back on our mcthechurch.com, click on sermons, and watch some of the sermons that pastor was preaching all summer long um, as we were talking through 1 Peter. But be holy. Well, how do we do that? If you're taking notes, the first thing we need to do to be holy, to see the world upside down, to see the world how God would have us see it, to change our actions so that we have a change in our perspective. Well, the first thing we must do is we must prepare our minds for action. Prepare your mind for action. Think heavenly. Think heavenly. Prepare your mind for action. Think heavenly. Ask yourself a question. How can I act like Jesus today? How can I act like Jesus today? And then in 1 Peter, he actually says some interesting things. He says, fix your hope completely on grace. 
I, I would challenge you, as you are preparing your minds for action, and you're trying to think heavenly, you're trying to think, well, what would Jesus do here? How can I act like Jesus in, in my life, in this situation, in this day? Not only that, you need to do a hope check. Is your hope fixed on the grace of God? Is your hope fixed on Him? Where do you place your hope? It's Jesus or it's anything else, and anything else will always fall short, and Jesus will always be completely sufficient. Where is your hope? Is your hope in, in people, in places, in things, in achievements? Or is your hope in the grace of God? Is your hope in Him and Him alone? Is your hope in the cross? And if we're going to change our minds, if we're going to prepare our minds for action, we have to realize where are we putting our hope. We have to do a hope check. Am I hoping in the Lord? Or am I hoping in myself? Am I hoping in the achievements of Jesus on the cross? Or am I hoping in the achievements in my life to carry me? You have to do a hope check. And, and this is a battle that goes on in your mind. Well, what do you think will actually get you through your day? What do you think will get you through life? What do you think will, will, will get you to the place where you're excited to see Jesus in your final days? We have to do a hope check. We have to prepare our minds for action. We have to think heavenly. We have to be focused on Jesus. We have to act like Jesus. And then, and then there's a statement, and you can write this down. I'm going to use this to transition for the rest of our, our time. Your thoughts become your desires, which shapes your life. Your thoughts become your desires, which shapes your life. So first we have to prepare our minds for action. We have to think heavenly. And then number two, we have to obey. We have to be obedient. We have to want heavenly things. This is a shift in our desires. He says in 1 Peter that we need to be obedient children. We need a, a shift in our desires. Um, the more I depend on Him, the more I will desire heavenly things. So how do you, some people might argue, well, you can't just shift your desires. I want what I want, and that's the way it is. I have these feelings, and I can't control them. You're wrong. You're wrong. If you, um, if you think heavenly, if you prepare your minds for action, if you fix your hope on Jesus, and then your desires will start to shift. Your thoughts become your desire. So then your desires will start to shift, and the more you depend on Him, the more you will desire heavenly things. And the more you depend on things in this world, the more you will desire the things of this world. So de desire Jesus and you will be obedient to Jesus. Our minds will affect our desires, become your desires. What are you focusing on? What do you want? What do you want? And, and I think what Peter is telling us is, is we have to have a completely different mind shift. We have to change the way we see the world as if we're walking on our hands, as if we're trying to get freedom from the noose that's around our neck. What do you want? Well, you have to want Jesus. You have to put your mind on heavenly things. You have to think upon Jesus, and then that will begin to shift your desires, and that will help you to be obedient children. Now, when that happens, we're beginning to see some real action take place in our faith. Desire Jesus, and you will be obedient to Jesus. So much of our faith is a struggle. I know some of you are struggling with with lust, with porn, with, um, with, with uh, trying to be the top of your class and, and depending on yourselves and, and boasting in yourselves and, and, and so many different things that we struggle with. And, and what if we just shift our desires and we just really desire Jesus? We want Jesus. We, we think and, and gaze upon Him. As we gaze upon Him, and we talked about this a little bit at, at camp, as we gaze upon Him, we will be obedient to Him because we will want what He wants. We will want to be like Him. Remember, your thoughts become your desires, which shapes your life. So first, we have to prepare our minds for action. We have to think heavenly. 
Second, we have to obey. We have to want heavenly things. That's a shift in our desires. And then third, we have to live like Jesus. We have to live like Jesus. We have to draw near to heaven himself. We have to think heavenly. We have to want heavenly things. And then we draw near to heaven himself. We have to be like Jesus. You see, you don't become holy by the things that you do. He makes you holy and then you live that out. Let me say that again. You don't become holy by the things that you do. He makes you holy and then you live that out. So, so holiness, what, what Peter is calling us to be, be holy as I am holy, that's a gift of, 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 um, of grace through faith that Jesus gives us. And then we live that out every single day. And, and, and that starts by preparing our minds, thinking heavenly, which then will become our desires and will be obedient children. And that will shape your life to actually look like the life that Jesus lived. Um, Jesus is the standard. Again, we talk about this all the time, but it's good to be reminded. We will never meet that standard. You'll ne- you're, ne- you're never on, 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 this, on this side of eternity, you're never going to meet that standard. But the only way we can get close to that standard is by drawing close to Jesus. It's not by trying harder. It, it's not by forcing it. It's by drawing closer to Jesus so you get so close to him that you can represent him, that you can bear his image well, that you can, you can be a child of God. Your, your mind begins to shift. Your desires begin to shift. And then we see it lived out in your life. You become holy as he is holy. And, and we, here's what's so great about that. We're invited into a relationship with Jesus. He wants us in relationship. He doesn't want us just coming to church and worshiping him and, 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 and being um, submissive to whatever he says. He wants relationship with us. That, that requires obedience. That requires a mind shift. But more than anything, Jesus wants you to, to be close to him, to be in relationship with him so you know him. You know his character. You know his commands. You know his word. You know Jesus. And as you know Jesus, as your, your mind begins to shift, and your desires begin to shift, your relationship with Jesus will begin to shape your life and you will be holy as He is holy. The closer we get to the standard, the more we will look and live like Him. The closer we we get to the standard, the closer we get to Jesus, the more time we spend in prayer and in His Word and, and worshiping Him and studying Him, the closer we get to Him, the more we will look like Him and live like Him and love like Him. And that's the goal, to be like Jesus. That's the goal to our life. Our thoughts become our desires, which shapes our life. I, I want to read 1 Peter 1, 13-16 again and emphasize a few of the things that we just talked about as we wrap up our time. 1 Peter 1, 13-16 Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Be as obedient children. Do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Trademark, we're pursuing holiness. We're pursuing a high standard. And the only way we we live out this holy life is if we backtrack and kind of break down these verses right here, where we think heavenly. We, we, we prepare our minds for actions. We, for action, we ask, what would Jesus do? How can we act like Jesus? We do a hope check. Where am I putting our hope, my, my hope? 
Then, then our thoughts become our desires and we become obedient children. We want heavenly things. And then finally, we live like Jesus. We draw near to heaven himself. And I believe as you, you do this, you begin to, to strive for these things every single day in your life, you'll realize that you're holier than you thought. You're more like Jesus than you realized. And, and just by simply being close to him, being obedient to him, and thinking how he would have you think, uh, you'll experience freedom. You'll experience abundant living. It's, you might look funny to the world around you. You might look like the only person walking on their hands. But trust me, that's a liberating life. He's calling you to freedom. He's calling you to step out of the cave to have this amazing experience where you love Him and you grow in your relationship with Him. And, and we are holy as He is holy. That's what we're called to be. Know your name when He calls it again. And, uh, and we're so thankful for our God who's full of grace. Grace enough to provide all this for us. One, one more time. Prepare your minds for action. Obey. Live like Jesus. Your thoughts become your desires, which shapes your life. Let me pray with you, Trademark. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for your word. Thank you for this series that we have one more weekend. But Lord, just being able to pull out some of what our own poets, our modern poets of today are saying, or whether they might not even intentionally be speaking truth that we can see in your word. Uh, but God, it's there. And so we thank you for your word that confirms truth to us. We thank you that you are truth and we cling to you. Lord, help each and every student as they, they tune in today. Lord, to, to think heavenly, to prepare their minds for action, to, to strive to be like Jesus, to do a hope check. And help us to be obedient children. Help our thoughts to become our desires. And finally, we want to look like you. We want to be holy as you are holy. We want to be just like you, Jesus. And we know that's only possible in relationship with you. And so we thank you that you invite us into that relationship. Lord, may each student experience a closeness with you this week in their time studying your word, their times praying, even just going about their day. We thank you that you invite us into relationship, that you meet us there. And Lord, that you would even allow us and invite us to live a life that's different from the world around us, to live a life that's holy because you are holy. We thank you for it. Help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.